This is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is a joy to be with you today on this Friday. Thank goodness it's Friday. Well, some of us work for the weekend, but it's all good. Everybody needs to take a bit of a pause. And boy, what a week it has been. What a year it has been already. Already, already. Uh, Santita Jackson coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. At AM 950 Radio, Voice of Progressive Minnesota. We'll be talking with John Nichols in the next hour about Ilhan Omar, the congresswoman from Minneapolis, who has been pushed off of the Foreign Relations Committee for a whole host of reasons. And um, not only does this resonate in the United States, this resonates all over the world. And that's something we need to be careful about. America is still, for all the challenges we face, the most powerful, the richest nation on earth, even though technically uh, China has more money. That having been said, most respected, we're still the big people on the block. And for an African woman, um, an immigrant, to kick off this committee who has raised questions about key issues all around the world where in other places in the world, they speak freely about the Middle East. We don't do that so much in the United States. They speak freely about Africa. We don't do that so much in the United States. In fact, we don't really discuss Africa and on and on and on and on. So for her to be kicked off, uh, sends some bad signals, everybody. It's not just about the internal dynamics of, uh, of what's happening on the Hill. This is international, and there was a lot of pressure to get her off of that committee. In fact, Speaker McCarthy said she can serve on any other committee, but not this one. You need to ask why. And then we're talking about Tyree Nichols. Yes, that is still on our mind. Activists have been linking his death to the cowboy culture of the police department. But there's more at play here. It turns out that, as we found out about President Hemphill, the white police officer who had the initial encounter with Tyree Nichols. It turns out, you know, we've been lauding the police department of Memphis for the, for revealing so much. And actually, it's not really, that's not really true. I mean, the fact is, it has been the professional organizers on the ground, the activists, and the people who found out what was happening. This was percolating in the streets, and they are the ones who sent it up to the corporate tweets and pushed it Push it on to push him at least on to leave of the department from the department and push it on to the news. This was not something that was pushed by the police department. They didn't just say, oh, he was involved too. No. So we'll be talking with a young man named Kedron Franklin from Black Men Build, a, a wonderful grassroots organization in Memphis who's been part of that effort to let us know all of the people involved. And we're going to be talking with him and Dwight McKee, Reverend Jeanette Wilson from Rainbow Push, Attorney Daryl John, uh, uh, Jones from the Transformative Justice Coalition. So we've got a lot to talk about today. So I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT, and let me know what you think the story of the week has been, and what you, how you're processing uh, Ilhan Omar 
being kicked off of foreign relations, how you're processing the Tyree Nichols murder and what's next, and on and on and on and on it goes. Hey, Ashley King down there in Memphis and Linear Bob out there in Silicon Valley, and Daryl Punti, how you doing? And Robert Williams and Angela Burns, how you doing? Hey, hey, hey. Send you all much love. Jewel up there in New York. Miss Robinson. Joyce. Hey, hey, hey. Sending you all much love. All right, all right, all right. Call us at 773-763-9278. But also, I want you to meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson and Friends page on Facebook. That is where I can accept friends. The Santita Jackson page, that landing page. They will not allow me to take any more friends, so I need you to help me enroll with Santita Jackson and friends, okay? And friend me over there. And then on Twitter, at Santita J, I want you all to join me on Twitter, at Santita J. And then also join me on YouTube right now on the Santita Jackson Show. Oh, I'm running out of breath. No, I'm not. I'm in the mix in Chicago. It's cold. We are part of this cold snap that is sweeping the country. Chicago will have a high of 11 degrees above zero. It will be sunny, but boy, it's going to be cold. Minneapolis, St. Paul, four degrees above zero, mostly cloudy. Everybody, if someone is without heat, get to or get them to, um, if not your home, to a warming station, fire departments, libraries, police stations. There are warm station, warming stations. Find out where they are and go. Don't be in your place and be cold. This kind of cold, it only takes a few minutes for you to get frostbite. And um, a lot of people who are vulnerable, uh, our elders, uh, the very young, people who have struggled with health issues, and just people who just, I mean, come on, we're trying to make it from day to day. This is a really, really tough time for them, so please be careful. LeBron James edges ever closer to overtaking the record of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the NBA's all-time scoring leader. He's 60 plus points away, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar plans to be at two Lakers games so that he can see his record broken, which has stood since 1989. In the NBA, the Magic will be playing the Timberwolves tonight, and the Bulls are triumphant over the Hornets. 114 to 98. I want you to call me today at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. I want to hear your voices today. Tell me what you think about just the stories of the week. Parts of the northeastern U.S., like the Midwest, are bracing today for possibly the coldest wind chills in decades. Since the 80s, everybody, dangerously frigid temperatures with wind chills as cold as 50 degrees Below zero, that's Fahrenheit. They're set to wallop New England and surrounding regions beginning this morning, everybody. Please be careful out there. U.S. officials are tracking a suspected Chinese high-altitude surveillance balloon floating above the northern U.S. in Montana, everybody. It's currently traveling at an altered altitude, well above commercial air traffic, and does not present a military or physical threat to people on the ground. What are they looking for? Well, there are military installations in Montana. We will find out. Pentagon spokesman, Brigadier General. Uh, Patrick Ryder said on Thursday. So we'll see, but wow, that's, it, that's strange, isn't it? The U.S. is expected to announce a new Ukraine security package worth approximately, get this, $2.2 billion that will include longer-range missiles for the first time. And those are just some of the headlines 
on the Santita Jackson Show. You know, I am so excited, and Betty loves this. She cannot wait to hear Pastor Tisha Dixon Williams every, every Friday, and I can't either. I mean, what she does with the text of the Bible is just nothing short of a profound anointing. First Baptist Church of Bridgehampton, New York, is so fortunate to have her. Everyone, get her book, her book. I see you, sis. I promise you it will bless you. Here we go. Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Santita. Thank you for having me uh, weekly. This is always such a joy for me on Friday mornings, and it really sets my day off right, and I hope it's the same for all of you. I wanted to let you guys know something you may not know. Did you know that as believers in God, we are in a witness protection program? (laughs) Right now, I witnessed any crimes. There's nothing that I've done. I'm not engaged in anything. I'm not snitched on anyone that would make me have to be in witness protection. But we are. As witnesses of God and God's family and being in God's family allows us access to a witness protection program. Let me help you out. In Psalm 23, 5, one of the most beloved Psalms, we find these words in verse 5. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, for years, we've all heard and been made to think that somehow that was a table of revenge or retribution. But I want you to know today that that table that's prepared is a table of rest. Here's the backstory. David was in contention with his son Absalom. His son was threatening to usurp him, and he finds himself in a difficult position right back in the desert where he spent so much of his time fighting for his kingship. But in the midst of that desert, God still fed the troops. God still fed the people that were in the desert and not only fed them, but Second Samuel tells them, tells us they were fed well. In the middle of everything that they were going to, God still prepared a table before them. Now, here's where the witness protection comes in and did it in the presence of his enemies. I want to tell somebody today that when we look at what our enemies are doing, they can only go as far as God allows them because you are in the witness protection program. God, first of all, prepared this table. This is a carefully curated table. This is a laid out table. This is a robust, healthy, amazing table that God has prepared for you. How do we know? Because just at the point of this verse, we see God transition from shepherd to host. Now, I know you've been to a lot of amazing dinner parties. We all have, but I can guarantee you, you've never been to one prepared by God. Not only is that a healthy table, it's a healing table. It's a table where everybody is welcome. It's a table where you can sit and eat in peace, void of the dangers of the enemy. Why? Because he said it is prepared in the presence of the enemies. Let me tell you what that means. We always think of that as that my my enemies are just going to watch me eat. My enemies are going to watch me in victory. And while that's true, what it really means is that you get to rest easy and eat well while your enemies are in the midst, but they cannot come near you. That's a shout for somebody this morning, that God allows you to sit and rest and eat in peace while your enemies surround you but cannot touch you. We are always talking about 
everything that happens at a table. Every time you see a table show up in the Bible, it means some drama is about to ensue. We comb hair, we do homework, we do everything at our kitchen table. In the corporate world, we want a seat at the table. When we want revenge on somebody, we say, my, how the tables have turned. But I want to tell you about another table, a table that assures protection and peace and provision. This table is where we see God become host, where God has laid out everything before you, but the enemy cannot touch you. And that word enemy in this text means more than just people. It means your problems and your predicaments too. So what God is really saying, I'm laying out a platform for peace for you in the midst of all of your problems, in the midst of all of your binds, in the midst of everything that you're going through. I'm giving you an assurance of peace and protection at a prepared table. So I want somebody to know today that even though your enemies are surrounding you as a witness of God, God has prepared something for you. God has given you provision and God is protecting you even in the presence of your enemies. Welcome to Witness Protection. What did I tell you? Hallelujah. Amen to that. Witness Protection Program. We are protected, but you got to be a witness. You got to give something up so you can get the grace and the glory. I see you, sis, and I heard you, sis, today. I see you, sis. I see you, sis. Pastor Tisha Jackson Williams. I love her. Oh, I know you do too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Blessings to you. Before you go, how can we worship with you on Sunday? You can worship with me on Sundays on YouTube at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're also upgrading all of our systems, so very soon you'll also be able to worship with us on YouTube and Facebook at the same time. And certainly if you're ever in the New York Hamptons area, we'd love to have you. I also wanted to say, Santita, I'm in the midst of what I call my Love You 30-Day Challenge, which actually is going to start on Valentine's Day. And Mm -hmm. it is a self-love challenge where every day for 30 days you do something to show yourself love. And you can find that and pre-register for that on uh, whosthatladymen.com. It is one of our most successful programs and lives have been changed. Women have uh, abandoned uh, um, imposter syndrome, stopped talking negatively about themselves. It really is a transformative initiative and you can change your life and elevate your level of self-love in 30 days. And so if anyone's interested, head to whosthatladymen.com. Amen, amen. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. And, you know, we have got Dr. Shanina Knighton, infection preventionist, registered nurse, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Everyone, you need to follow her on her social media. Hey, Dr. Nina, that's her handle, at H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A. And you know what? I wanted to ask you, you know, I follow you very closely. Uh, One of the things that kind of jumped out at me, maybe because it affects me personally, but I think it affects a lot of people for various reasons, sleep, or should I say the lack thereof. What difference does sleep make? Why is sleep so important, Dr. Knighton? Good morning. So the simple answer is, is our cells need time to repair. And so as a result of that, one of the things that we don't think about when we start to think about cell repair is what does that mean? So that means like um, that whole thing of like how we shed old and like we have new that evolves. 
just for example, I can use the simple concept of our skin cells. So when we shed skin cells, we have new skin cells. It's the same exact thing in terms of like internally. Our body has to go through this repair system, and in order for it to go through this repair system, it needs to rest. When we don't rest, what happens is, is our body then goes into a reaction of where it's almost like fighting for peace. And so it causes like an inflammatory process, which then starts to lower our immune system. That's why when they tell you that, you know, in order, if you are sick, you need rest. And the rest is to help your body repair itself and get back to its uh, restorative state. When someone say, if you don't get some rest and it's going to make you sick, then that's why it ends up making you sick because your body's not having time to recover. Sleep is very important when it comes to infection prevention and control because the thing is, is let's say your body is, you know, fighting an infection, sleep can help your body. Like it those antibodies, you know, that you need. Um, to be able to fight the infection are produced like when you are asleep. And when you are not asleep, unfortunately, you end up with a reduction of those antibodies that would help to fight the infection off. Hmm. So when you're stressed or, let's say, uh, what's the difference between, say, just staying up late because you're hanging out, staying up late because you're stressed, or... You know, as as one gets older, it seems like your sleep patterns get disrupted. Is there a difference, or is it just the lack of sleep is just is just harmful? So that's the thing. Um, I'm not a sleep specialist, Antita, so I can't really get into like let's say like the nuances of when to sleep, how to sleep. I just know why we should sleep and how the sleep is related to the immune system just within itself. And it's just that our body is able to target, let's say, an infection better or an inflammation, you know, when we are asleep. And unfortunately, when we're not sleeping, our body's working, it's constantly fighting off a lot of different things, including environmental factors, including the food that we might be eating that has additives in it. So it allows our body at a rest state when nothing's going in it, when nothing is being absorbed, when nothing is being consumed, um, to really be able to rest. And so having a sleep routine just within itself, regardless of when you sleep, even though I know that there are studies about um, night workers, it's important for your body um, to have that routine so it does know when it's going to get rest. Hmm. Everybody, sleep is so important to take good care of yourself. I've always uh, had two people get on me about my sleep hygiene. They felt that I had poor habits. Dr. Deborah Verholden and um, what's your name? Uh, yeah, that's right, Dr. Shanina Knighton. <laughs> so I said, let me bring this up today because, um, you know, I don't, I don't get a lot of sleep and I'm really working toward getting more sleep and you know what i can tell you dr knight and i've got about a minute left when i get the proper amount of sleep it makes a difference i feel refreshed i mean i feel like there's just so much more that i can do i've got about 30 seconds for you please make the case for sleep so for one just as i mentioned that cellular repair after we've torn our body down with stress the day-to-day 
work and everything else that we're going that's going on, it's very important for us to think through why sleep is important. Sleep is important because we need to think. We need to be able to recover from stress, especially when the mind is constantly going on a day-to-day basis. So I just encourage people to think through sleep and think about it at your time to be able to rest and your body to be able to repair when you can't do the repairing and self-healing yourself. So for anyone that's not getting wellness, sleep can be the wellness, the passive wellness that you need. Not all of it, but it can help. Mm, Dr. Shanina Knight and everybody, follow her on social media at Hey, Dr. Nina, H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A. It's real simple. And she's going to give you direct, direct, direct directions on how to lead a healthy life. Everybody, let's talk about Tyree Nichols. Do you know it has not been the police who have been outing all of these officers? It has, this has not come from the suite. This has come from the streets. People have been doing it. Let's talk about people power on the Santita Jackson Show. Back in a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Can you believe we're already this deep into February in the year 2023? We're like a year away from the presidential contest, which will really begin at the end of this year. It's just unbelievable. I'm Santita Jackson coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. Let's talk about Tyree Nichols today. All of these revelations, all of these... uh, police personnel and EMTs, all these folks who we've been finding out were involved in this young man's murder, we keep thinking that the police are revealing, are making revelations, but that's not true. This is coming from the people. The people have been finding out who has done what, and they're the ones who push it out there. So we're going to be talking with a young man who is so impressive from Black Men Build, Cannot wait for him to come up to Chicago. A brilliant professional organizer. You know, and organizers have a certain kind of personality. It's one thing to be an activist, you know, to shake the tree, that's important. But organizers really have to get along with people. They have to have a love for people. And that is what they do. They draw all men and women unto them and help them to get active themselves. Hedron. Franklin, everybody. And of course, Dwight McKee and attorney Daryl Jones and Reverend Jeanette Wilson from Rainbow Push. We've got a lot to talk about today. Got to find out what happened, what what the people have been doing to push this story about Tyree Nichols' murder down in Memphis, Tennessee. But first up, we have got Shapiro Wells getting ready for the Super Bowl. And I didn't realize you were doing uh, what I was about to say Thanksgiving, but not even. Uh, <laughs> what is it, Valentine's Day also? But, um, how can we get some vittles from you, and what can we get? Yes, Antita, you can give us a call at 
708-526-4546. We actually are doing Valentine's Day bouquets, uh, strawberry, chocolate-covered strawberries, as well as also pretzels and little baskets if you want that as well, fresh flowers, whatever you need for Valentine's Day. You can give us a call at 708-526-4546. And we're also getting ready for uh, the Super Bowl with our hot wings, barbecue wings, teriyaki, as well as also uh, garlic parmesan, sweet chili chiracha, as well as our meatballs and sliders. So give us a call, and we'll get everything squared away for you. Also, St. Peter, we are promoting our our annual Courtney Copeland Memorial Foundation Gala. That's going to be held on March 3rd, 2023 at the JLM uh, Community Center. So for more information, give us uh, go to our website at www.copelandmemorial.com. That's www.copelandmemorial.com. Thank you so much, Santita. Keisha Pearl. Hey, everybody. Call us at 773-763-9278-773-763 WCPT. We're talking about Tyree Nichols. Why are we talking about it? Because people are still talking about it. It's, there's something very unsettling about, uh, about this young man's murder because we feel and we're finding out that there's a lot more to this than what we were told initially. And so we want to hear from you at 773-763-9278. Joining Dwight McKee, of course, Attorney Daryl Jones, Chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition and the head of Push Excel and Assistant to Reverend Jesse Jackson, Reverend Jeanette Wilson, Esquire. But let's start with you, Keedron. It's wonderful. Keedron Franklin, Mr. Keedron Franklin from Black Men Build. And he's a professional organizer. That is what he does. And um, I said, you know, as we've been talking, uh, right, the key made the point. They're doing what we have historically done. They have been in these streets getting the information. And now with the Internet and now with just this is the, we get the change from the bottom up, not from the top down. LBJ didn't just sign the Voting Rights Act. People were marching and were active. Um, these things don't just happen. Nothing just happens. You have to make things happen. Keith and Franklin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. It's an honor. Oh, Mr. Franklin, it's an honor to have you. Let me get right to it. Um, many of us have had the impression that Preston Hemphill, the young white officer, 26 years of age, who was uh, part of the initial stop of... Uh, of Tyree Nichols uh, that led to his death, that that the police department, you know, said, okay, we're going to be transparent. We're going to let them know. We're going to let the public know what has happened. And we're finding out that that's not how this happened. Would you help us? How can we find out about Preston Hemphill and everybody else? Uh, quite quite naturally, right, uh, with your introduction, uh, people power. Uh, so let's, let's just... Uh, begin with understanding that in Memphis, uh, the organizing and the tools and the strategies have been deployed and applied uh, this way for years, right? Since uh, 2015, with this movement around like this, this whole Black Lives Matter era of injustices towards uh, black men and black women and children, unharmed people, right? And so uh, what happened is people got on the ground and, and you know, Facebook and Instagram, there are detectives, right? Uh, you know, people sit at home and they can just go and look and comb through information. 
And and what happened once once the video had come out, people were like, hold up, where, where's this white officer? Where's where's this guy? At? Why 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 his video his picture's not plastered? Why ain't he fired? Where is he? And so <laughs> again, it's amazing. Uh, uh, people on the ground got to comb through the photos, just just putting the timeline together. Okay, these officers was kind of fairly new. So they got to go on looking through the uh, pictures, right? They got graduation pictures, and and lo and behold, the same armband, uh, the watch, the wristwatch, the Apple Watch that uh, Officer Henfield was deta- uh, was was wearing, uh, he had on in his graduation uh, photo with uh, the, with the director Crow was shaking his hand. He was getting his you know his, his certificate, and he had this watch on, same color armband. Uh, on the Apple Watch, so like, ha ha, there you go, right there. Here go the picture. And so once the pressure was applied, they were like, yeah, it's him, Phil. That's the guy, you know. Uh, and so again, it's 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 the strategy, it's the smarts of black women. Uh, I have to always give credit to uh, for sure that the sister that's kind of leading the, the organizing on the ground, Amber Sherman. I have to give credit that that sister put in some diligent work. And uh, and so again, it's it's people power. Mm. Well, you know what? This is, it is people power. I mean, what is our takeaway from this? I mean, because it seems that the people are pushing this story because the corporate media would like to walk away from it, I'm sure. You know, you have a financial settlement and that's it. What's next, Keedron Franklin? Uh, there's, a, there's a lot, right? There's a lot just, just thinking about. Uh, the implosiveness of what this what this has showed, right? Uh, that that not only uh, so-called white officers beat and kill us, that so-called black officers beat and kill us, right? And so, uh, so you have to take a deeper dive into like what are, what are the practices? What is the bias? How is the bias set, right? It, it, and so again, if you, if, anywhere across America, if you ask the police or their citizens, that they basically will tell you, "No, I'm a cop." You know, you actually sit. You know, and so so there's this power dynamic that that has to change, and and, and so we have to think about reform that like keeps that keep uh like these 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 draconian scorpion units, these federalized uh, uh, task force. I know because around uh, me exercising my my First Amendment rights, they they place regional task force over me, right? These same scorpion units, you know, by Memphis uh, the uh, Memphis gang unit. <clears throat> and I mean a multi-agency gang unit and the organized crime unit. They operate the same, but they're on the county side, you know. Uh, but but again, these these type of units are federalized and they're just roaming our streets, pulling over regular people for presumptive uh, charges, right? They just oh oh you have a tail light out, but I also want to investigate investigate you for a crime. That's illegal, right? So so there's a lot that has to happen, and I and um uh, and I think this just open, opens up the floodgate for us to really do some 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 prosperous work to again keep people safe, right, and keep people abiding by the law. How has this impacted the community? I mean, has this? I mean, are you more tr- are you less trustful of police? Um, are there any are, are the police officers trying to make overtures that would that would make that would that would make you trust them more. I mean, what's going on between the community and the police? The relationship has always been this toxic, uh, uh, totalitarian relationship, right? Uh, this big I little you, right? This I tell you what to do and you have to listen. It has never been uh, an even exchange of power or, hey, you know, uh, as, a, as a whole, right? Uh, even if you have some cops that may have some grace for people, that's not the culture for them to be uh, have care and grace for people. It's just not. 
And so uh, just a quick story. Uh, my relationship, I don't trust a cop. I don't trust a law enforcement agent. I don't trust any I don't trust any government that oppress and suppress its, its people. In no shape, form, or fashion. Uh, I, I've had to take the take. I've, we've taken MPD, the Memphis Police Department, in the city of Memphis, to federal court and beat them in a trial uh, in 2018 for illegally spying on myself and others. Uh, I actually saw the email where the former police de- uh, director told them to watch me and everybody around me for exercising my First Amendment right. So the. Uh, and so uh, someone intervened and asked the DOJ to come down and, and inter- intervene in our relationship, right? Uh, because, again, it was, it, you know, I, I knew the police was watching me every day. I knew my phone was tapped. Just around basic organizing. Uh, they was that more afraid and put gang units and task force around someone who has the freedom, my, my federal rights, right, my God-given alienated right. They put these type of gang task force on us. Uh, and so uh, the DOJ had come down. We had the, the, the top brass in a circle. We sat down in a circle to do like more of an open space, right? Like some healing work. Because again, our, our relationship is tumultuous. But it's always again them pressing us, and we're not going. We gotta we gotta defend ourselves, right? We have to protect ourselves. Our wives and our family and our husbands they they want us to come home, regardless if we are here organizing. Our people want us to come home safe too, right? And so the DOJ had come down. The regional guy from Atlanta. And, um, and 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 we had already laid out the agenda. All we wanted was some, these guys need some mental help. We all need some help, right? But these guys are walking around with social, emotional illiteracy. They're not tuned in with their emotions. And when someone gives them a little pushback, they go to 100 and they hurt someone. And so, you know, we set up a, just an agenda that, that, that was strictly for them getting some help, right? So that we can figure out, then how can we start repair? We can't repair a relationship and they're not, re- they, they're not healed. They need some healing. Man, these guys came in with some armed security and put security around. We're in a circle space, right? A, a, a space that's supposed to be open and we're supposed to be vulnerable. And these guys have guns around us. We're like, hold on, we we can't be like this. This this is this, this not a safe space for us to do what we the agenda said for us to do. That meeting went crazy, right? They didn't even want anything for them, you know. And so uh, again, they need help. They need more help. And we all need help, right? But they're licensed. They're, they have agency to, to roam the streets and hurt people. We just, we all just need help, right? But they need more because they have the license to kill and get off with immunity. Mm. We're talking with Keedron Franklin, Black Men Bell, out of Memphis, Tennessee, helping us to understand what it's feeling like in Memphis right now and exactly how we found out about Preston Hemphill and how we're finally finding out about others. Let me bring up the rest of the panel. We have got Attorney Dwight Jones. Excuse me, not Dwight Jones. I'm conflating the two of you. <laughs> Daryl Jones, from the chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition. We've got Reverend Jeanette Wilson Esquire from Rainbow Push and Dwight McKee. You are a native Memphian, but you've been living in Chicago practically all of your life. Does any of this sound familiar to you, where the streets have to get the message up to the suites? Absolutely. Let me first uh, applaud my brother's courage. And you have to be very courageous and uh, to carry the kind of cross he's been carrying. And it's been that kind of courage in the spirit of the Nat Turners and the Dr. Kings and the Jesse Jacksons and Al Sharptons, which has taken us this far as a people. And the young brother, I just want to tell you to keep holding fast. You know, you, you remind me a little in your spirit of Fred Hampton. Uh, and even though they didn't end the right way, and it, it, it has taken us.
people uh, miles and miles ahead of the curve. And it's brothers like you that really kind of keep this fire burning. So let me applaud you first, you and your uh, compadres and you all's boldness and you all's courage and you all's fight for freedom. Yes, it does sound familiar. Not only does it sound familiar, it's really the way of the world, Santita. It is how they've been able to uh, oppress us and keep us subjugated over the last 400 years that we've been here. It's, it, this is not this uh, oppression and this um, condition, these conditions, they have been set up by the marketplace, but they've been enforced by the state. The marketplace couldn't do this by themselves. The capitalists couldn't do this by themselves. There has to be a system conducted by the state that enforces these rules and regulations and oppression and pays people to do this in behalf of the state. And so, yeah, that is the culture, not just of Memphis, but of the country. Wherever there are black people and white people, you have this situation operating. The impunity of the state with impunity to be able to impose their will on uh, black people and people of color and force them to do the will of the capitalists that have us as the cheap labor force or the marginal profit in any community in America. Uh, Attorney Daryl Jones, your thoughts? I mean, because you and Barbara Armstrong have been on the ground. I mean, you've found you a large and large measure. It's, it's your efforts that helped us to see the Ahmaud Arbery case. Because that could have just happened really under the cover of darkness, if you will. And you're absolutely right, Santita. One of the things that uh, the, the, uh, Brother Franklin said that just struck uh, home with me was this, is that you know, when you start going into the communities where these atrocities occur, you start learning from the ground what the atmosphere is like. One of the things that uh, Brother Franklin said, and the reason that it struck me, is because you know, we had on our show uh, Pamela Moses, who was also on the ground there, an activist in Memphis. The words that Brother Franklin spoke with regards to saying that it was toxic between the community and the police, that it was a totalitarian type effort that was there, that they were suppressive to the community. Those were the same exact words that Pamela Moses used in describing what was going on the ground in Memphis. So I think that when we start understanding, and, and it wasn't a one-day thing. I think, as as as, uh, as as Dwight was saying, Dwight McKee was saying, this has been a continuum that appears to have been in Memphis. So it, it was something that had been building for a long time with the community relationship with the police department, and and was just you know made hyped uh, with the Scorpion unit, which was just an over emphatic, over uh, hyped up. Uh, enforcement 
of, of policing it and violence against the community to try to force them into compliance. So it, it seems as though a situation with a, like a Tyree Nichols was bound to happen because of the road that they were going down and not keeping structures in place for the, for the policing there in the community. So it's extremely important, I think, for the country to hear what the environment is like in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, with regards to policing and the community. Now we're going to see the steps of, of uh, now that they're under the, clearly under the uh, uh, microscope, we're going to see the steps now that can be taken to try to undo some of this, to correct some of this that's there. And it's not going to happen uh, immediately. It's going to require a continued community effort to be certain that it stays in the minds, not only of the community, not, not only of the minds of the citizens of Memphis and the citizens of Tennessee, but in the, in the minds of them and in the face of everyone that's in our country to be certain what's happening uh, in Memphis as a result of this killing of Tyree. I, I, you know, it, it's just incredible. And, and qualified immunity uh, is a part of it. Having that qualified immunity removed and having officers held accountable. You've got to change the culture of policing that's there in Memphis in order for those citizens to feel completely safe. As, as a as a lawyer, too, in this city, I mean, you've seen the power of the SOP. Um, you've also seen the power of the people. You know, we have seen that um, when we vote, um, when we march, when we organize, and when we continue to apply the pressure, a lot of, I mean, things happen. But, you know, I, I think that the, it's just interesting that the police force with this you know, with the support of the corporate media, uh, have been able to absorb so much of this of the credit, and it's actually been the people who pushed Preston Hemphill out, and all of these other uh, officials who were involved in this killing. Reverend Wilson, I think that as as a lawyer, I have been in almost every police station in the city of Chicago. Representing clients because once my client was arrested, I immediately would go to the police station, whatever time it was. Because once you enter into the criminal justice system, there are layers of this that most people don't understand and don't realize. You get arrested, you are sent to a local neighborhood police station, and in there, there is a culture within that station. The person that controls the, some parts of the behavior of the police at that moment are the state's attorneys assigned to that police station because they determine what charges, if any, will be levied against you. And when you're in there, you're not aware that that lawyer that you see is not a lawyer that cares about you. It is a lawyer that's a part of this police hierarchical structure. The police are functioning as if they are a military force assigned to uh, a neighborhood, if you will, and they therefore are there to control, suppress any people that seem to act out of order. They're not there with the culture of we're here to serve and protect. So you got the state's attorney, and then uh, you are brought before a judge uh, if it's on the weekend, overnight, next morning, you're going to be taken before a judge. Uh, charges will be read to you. So now you have somebody who's elected judge sitting over your case. You get nine, maybe 60 seconds, 90 seconds before that judge to talk about your background, which means they don't care who you are. It's a system 
designed to define you at that very moment. And you may be held over. If you can make bond, fine. If you can't make bond, you go to county. And I'm painting this because there's a whole system. There's a city of police. There's a county state's attorney. And then the county elected judge that makes decisions about you, and you have yet to really be properly represented by anybody. They'll say, oh, you, you want a lawyer? Here's a public defender who has a boatload of cases. And so now uh, you have these layers of of people that are, have already profiled you from the time you were stopped, whether it's legal or illegal. You have, you have no opportunity yet to really challenge the very fact that you have been stopped and arrested and placed in custody. That can happen if you're outside of Chicago or Memphis. The county did, county police then stop and arrest you. All of these paramilitary forces are moving aggressively. They're not listening to you. They don't want to hear what you have to say because they have a preset mindset based on where you're stopped, who you look like, and uh, there's this profile that exists about you. Never been arrested. You haven't had any criminal background. They haven't checked any of that. And so uh, in these particular communities that we call high crime communities, the police have a map, of, and they have uh, every morning a roll call. They go through what has happened last night in that particular community, and they then make decisions arbitrarily. They're not talking to the community. They're talking to themselves. These police do not live in that community. They have no contacts with that community. Nor they don't have particular care about that community. In Chicago, a lot of the police were coming out of uh, Mount Greenwood, all white, Irish, for a long time. And then those blacks that happen to be in these elite units, they feel like they're special. So I've been selected to be in this paramilitary terrorist unit. And so, therefore, I'm going to work with them. I'm, I'm part of the blue. I'm not black. I'm blue. And, and we have not properly, Santita and others, challenged this concept of I'm with the blue. Hold that yes. thought, because, you know, we need to talk about it, because it is in that context that Teetron Franklin and these young organizers, these organizers, it's important, and when we come back, I want Teetron to talk about the difference between an organizer and an activist, because there's a difference. Uh, as active as Reverend Jesse Jackson is, he's an organizer. You have to have a certain personality and a heart for the people to organize. We're talking about that. It's the people who've been exerting the power and pushing this story. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Hello, Chicago. Hello, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Hello, all around the country and all around the world. Beautiful Philadelphia and New York and Pennsylvania and Los Angeles and, 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 and. 
It's a joy to be with you on the Santita Jackson Show, coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. We're going to be talking with John Nichols at the bottom of the hour about Ilhan Omar, congresswoman from a great state of Minnesota, the great city of Minneapolis, and she has been removed from the Foreign Relations Committee. The Speaker of the House said she can serve on any committee except this one. Why is that? Can't wait to talk with him about it, and you too. We're talking about Tyree Nichols and all of these revelations about all of these officers, all of these persons who were involved in his killing, who bore and bear some responsibility for it. This didn't come from... um, from the police, this came from the people. People power. We're talking with Keedron Franklin, professional organizer from Black Men Build. Can't wait for him to get up to Chicago. And we're talking with him about that and how that happened. And, of course, Dwight McKee and, and Reverend Jeanette Wilson from Rainbow Push and Attorney uh, Daryl Jones uh, from the Transformative Justice Coalition have given him some free legal advice. And so we're going to be doing more of that, but letting him know, yeah, you are, you're now a target, too. And he understood that. That's why he was sharing his story with us. I'm like, wait a minute. Sometimes, you know, we try to invite the police in and. You know, they come in with all these guns and whatnot, and that's not what we're trying to do. So we're going to be talking about that with him in just a hot second. We've got some cold weather here in Chicago, 11 degrees above zero. That will be the high today, even though it's sunny and beautiful. Minneapolis-St. Paul, four degrees above zero, mostly cloudy. In the NBA, LeBron James is within 63 points of claiming the record as the, as the highest-scoring NBA player ever. Wow. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has held that record since 1989. And remember, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had four years fewer in, in many respects to do it because he went to college. He went to UCLA. Uh, but you know what? Hey, a record is a record, and there are only a few of them. You know, one can only think of Hank Aaron breaking the breaking Babe Ruth's record, even though they never let him be the home run king, and Barry Bonds breaking Hank Aaron's record, even though they won't let him be the home run king. Hmm, that's interesting. But we're very excited for LeBron James. That should happen in the next it could happen. It could happen in the next game, given LeBron's record. <laughs> we'll see. They're certainly expecting it to happen in the next three games in the NBA. The Magic will be playing the Timberwolves tonight, and the Bulls are triumphant over the Hornets, one fourteen to ninety-eight. Everybody, our NHL teams in Chicago and in Minneapolis had a little time off. There has been an Arctic blast, everybody. Parts of the northeastern U.S. are about to get what we're getting in the, we've been getting in the Midwest and through, quite frankly, in parts of the South. 50 degrees below zero, those are some of the dangerously low temperatures, and they're set to wallop New England and surrounding regions this morning. Get people to warming stations, everybody, Firehouse, firehouses, um, police stations, libraries. Find out where the warming centers are. Even if your heat goes out, you should not be cold. Just get up and get to a warming center, please, everybody. U.S. officials are tracking a suspected Chinese high-altitude surveillance balloon floating above the northern U.S., particularly Montana. Quote, it is currently, quote, traveling at an altitude altitude well above commercial air traffic and does not present a military or physical threat to people on the ground, according to Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Patrick Ryder. This comes in advance of a meeting that, uh, that our Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, will be having with the Chinese. 
In Ukraine, the U.S. is is expected to announce a new Ukraine security package worth $2.2 billion. It includes longer-range missiles for the first time. Everybody, you know, we have been talking about financial freedom on this, on the Santita Jackson Show, and we mean it. If you are selling your home or purchasing a new home and would like to save thousands of dollars, there is a new program presented by our friends at, that's right, at Team Hochberg. It's called Perks at Work. It's a benefit. They're offering this program through the end of April, and you need to take advantage of it. It can save you thousands of dollars. It can make you thousands of dollars when you purchase or sell your home. Here's how it works. When a Team Hochberg affiliated realtor sells your home, they'll reduce their fee by up to 1%. That's a lot of money, everybody. When a Team Hochberg affiliated realtor helps you to purchase a new home, you will receive up to 1% of their commission as a closing credit. That's thousands of dollars, everybody. Team Hochberg will also credit their loan origination fee, and their affiliated attorney will reduce their fee thousands upon thousands of dollars. There's one couple that made close to $9,000 using the Perks and Work program. Please call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or if you want to read about it, the Perks and Work program, go to... 56david.com, 56david.com, so that if you sell your home, if you purchase a new home, you can save thousands of dollars if you get in touch with Team Hochberg. All right, everybody, we have been talking about um, what's been happening in Memphis, what's been happening in Memphis. It has been the organizers. It has been the activists. It has been the community who have outed all of these who've outed Preston Hemphill, the white police officer who helped to initiate the stop that, that ended up in the death of Tyree Nichols. And so many other people who were involved, professionals who are supposed to save your life, right? Well, it has been the community who have vigorously tracked these Persons, and now we're seeing the we're seeing them relieved of duty. We're seeing all kinds of things, and we're talking, of course, with Dwight McKee uh, from uh, the National Action Network, and one of the founders of Rainbow Push. Actually, brilliant social scientist. He's working with the Sankofa program on the West Side, doing some great, great, great work. Of course, the head of Push Excel. Reverend Jeanette Wilson Esquire, and uh, the chairman of the board of the Transformative Justice Coalition, Attorney Daryl Jones. Um, just, Dwight, very quickly, you were talking with uh, Kedron Franklin, who is our special guest today, a brilliant young professional organizer. Well, you know, before I get to you, Dwight, you wanted to make it very clear to me, Mr. Franklin, uh, from Black Men Bills, professional organizer. You said, I'm an organizer. I'm not an activist. What is the difference and why was it important for you to draw that distinction? Um, I think that 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 it's a distinction because activists, uh, they play a different role. Their role is kind of the show up for major events, they're more event-based, and they're more agitators. And they raise the issue, you know, to public to public forum and uh, are more directly confrontational with the police because they generally meet the police on the line and they have a face-to-face. And it requires one kind of courage and one, one, one kind of gift. 
But an organizer, it's all day to day. It's going into the community, pulling people together, trying to make institutional change, trying to make legislative change, trying to change the very nature of the culture that you're dealing with. It's more a a long range, um, in the trenches kind of kind of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeanette Wilson is more an organizer than an agitator. She does day to day grunt work, and she's in the office every day, day and night, trying to make institutional change. And so, for a guy like when they talk about opportunism, uh, the fact of the matter is it really only gives you the opportunity to be a martyr because uh, whenever you become either an agitator or organizer, you're going to bring down the wrath of the state one way or another. It's more insidious when you're an organizer because they have to take you down from behind the scenes where it's more, at some levels, more as dangerous being an agitator because you're dealing with the front line, you're dealing with the, looking the police eye to eye, and they know where you live, they know who you, how you operate. That's why you find a lot of agitators on the front line with masks on mm-hmm. so the police can't recognize who they are so they don't target them directly that day once the march is over. Whereas when you're an organizer, the state has a plan for your life. They spy on you. They tap your phone. They tap your mail. It's a real long-range dangerous situation. Absolutely. And Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, he was both. Reverend Jackson, they've been both. You know, when you choose to, when you just say, I'm a target, and that, and it's, and it just spreads. It not just spreads to your family. It spreads to um, the people who work with you. It's that's. I mean, that's what Reverend Charlton had to deal with. So, I mean, Kedron, what have you had to deal with? And and how do you? Because you're a father. Um, and you know, as as my father would say, as my parents always said, you know, you've inherited our friends who you didn't earn, and our enemies who you didn't earn either. But you got them. <laughs> And oftentimes they're more enemies than friends. Most definitely, most definitely. Uh, I mean, just a, just a, just a quick story. Uh, so yes, most most definitely. I, so before before organizing around like uh, like like on more of a how I call it evolved level of social economic uh, political issues, uh, I was organizing in the streets, right? So so just like every other so-called black man or, or, or so-called man, right? We all we all had social clubs or groups that we, we, we longed to want to, you know, just have friends and have this camaraderie with. And so I was always a, a, a person that loved people, right? So I, I loved personalities. I loved more about characters, know about you, know, name. And so uh, I, I built meaningful relationships, right? So so once I started, like, and then, I, you know, like, you know, love music. So, so we, you know, started doing music and, uh, and what happened was I, I started the longing for one to do something different uh, around my community. And, uh, and I've always been around, like, like spreading information and want people to be more knowledgeable. Um, but it was also this thing where I noticed, like, the shift in power. And, uh, and, and so while I was in the streets, I never had really much of an issue outside of a couple of legal troubles with the police. But 
I, like my life was turned upside down once I started like organizing for like the betterment of people in our community. And not just my people, I'm talking about poor people, right? Because what I recognize was this is more about the elitists. The people have it and, and, and the rest not. Right. And so um yeah, I I've so I've 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 been spied on, right? Like I told you guys, I, I we've been to federal court, uh and it was ruled like I said they violated a nineteen seventy eight consent decree that they said that they cannot uh, do political intelligence. So uh, found out in 2017 that they they was holding a list. Uh, we end up calling it the black list, right? This list had like our names, date, addresses, uh, our, our height, weight, people we was friends with, what we might be. And so we were like, oh, that's an issue, right? And so uh, at that time, I, I was uh, we already had attorneys that was kind of surrounding the movement. You know, a great super lawyer by the name of Bruce Kramer who was on the first consent decree. He, he was actually one of the ones who filed the first consent decree with Mike Cody, uh, uh, who also represented uh, King uh, back in the day. Great, great attorneys, right, with the uh, ACLU uh, Nashville. <clears throat> and so uh, Bruce, Bruce Kramer, uh, you know, he pushed the button. He was like, hold up, this 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 is a violation of what I know. I stepped back in 78, you know, that started in 76 around the Vietnam War and, and, and MPD doing the same thing to, to uh, University of Memphis College students. And so um, we dug into it, and when he recognized, they hit me like, hey, you know, these folks, these folks got your name all through this. Like, you, you, you like, these folks really own you. And I'm like, for what? And so when they started getting some of the information, we found out that they had placed an informant around us. Uh, he was a, a lieutenant in, in his uh, multi-agency gang unit, organized crime unit uh, sector, and he was acting like a black man, so-called black man on, on Facebook. I was like, he shared my wedding photos. I mean, uh, uh, not you know exclusive, but like things I've shared. Like personally, he he shared it, and I'm like, I remember this guy right because one of our friends, and, I, and shout out to Noah, one of our friends, they they called him and they're like, hey, this guy got to be a cop. He, like they he don't show up to nothing, but he's 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 in our business a lot. And so uh, yeah, they come out there. He was an informant. They end up firing him from because again, your your cover was blown, right? So the informant was found out, and uh, and, and we end up going to trial. Around it, and uh, and we won. Uh, shout out to John P. McCullough in the West District. He he, you know, he, he saw the truth uh, that 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 Memphis was violating our rights, right? And so, what happened? Uh, people started reaching out, and uh, this great uh, the Intercept did a story around. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, a group sent me to 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 Washington D.C. to testify around what they found out is the. The federal government, and this this will I'll be remiss if I don't speak about this because again, all through this, the federal government keep coming up, and uh, and so uh, I went to Washington D.C. to speak on the fact that what they found out was a lot of us was being placed under this black identity extremist label. Uh, that way, they can justify sending money to local municipalities to be able to watch us, people who they consider was. Uh, uh, Left wing, right, or progressives, right, like or anti, you know, Antifa or Marxists, like, like they, they, they consider. So, so they started sending millions of dollars to to federalize these type of units, which is again, it's it's too much, right? It, it becomes militaristic. It's like it's like turning turning the military inward towards your citizens, and, and, and so I mean, as an analogy, it's like if if someone's in the twelfth grade and they're getting their the NFL quarter, uh, NFL uh, defensive tackle brother to come beat up me, and I'm in the ninth grade. Like it's too much. It's it's too much, right? And so again, what we found out is that the feds are sending money to these local municipalities to to beef up them to to, to get extra weapons, right? Like to to put uh, uh, 
more cameras around uh, to, again, make task force. So most of these task force are a unit of homeland security. Most of them have homeland security guys that's roaming. So what I don't want to get people to think that they didn't just find cops and put them on these these cops that was on Scorpion unit. They are part of MPD. They pulled them from out of their culture and put them on this unit. So, so you know, the whole unit, the you know, the whole squad. And there's, you know, I have family members that are Memphis Police Department that I love dearly, that I will tear the payment up about. But as the system, as the institution, I, I, I don't like the institution the way it operates. It's not serving us. It's not a great service. And, and as us as taxpayers, we should have the right to dismount on this service, right? And so, uh, again, I've been thinking about putting more, like, how do we create, like, a community public safety department, right? Nothing is that, that we have to, like, dismount on, you know, what we believe are peace officers, but they need to do their job as peace officers uh, if that's, or, or enforce traffic, you know, real traffic violations, right, if that's what they're doing, uh, if that's what they want to be. But we have to figure out how to put more, like something in between where we're not having these road cops touch us so much. They don't, they don't need to be coming in contact with people so much. Well, you know, let me ask attorney Mark Fancher, brilliant lawyer. Um, and you deal with cases like this all the time. I mean, but this is Kedron Franklin, professional organizer, uh, one of our activists, oh, well, excuse me, one of our organizers, excuse me, from Black Men Build on the ground in Memphis, one of the persons, uh, a group of, of organizers who are responsible for, us, for letting us know about Preston Hemphill and all of these people who've been involved in the killing of, of Tyree Nichols. And you hear, you know, the other side of, you know, the unsexy side of what, of what these uh, organizers are dealing with, the harassment. This, I mean, I feel like Jay Edgar Hoover's still alive, Mark. Three minutes, they belong to you. Oh, he is, uh, and we should not be deceived about that. Uh, you know, and I want to congratulate and salute this, this brother uh, for being a warrior. And I think that all of us need to adopt that mindset, an understanding of the fact that this is a ruthless war that is being waged against our community, no matter how much the federal government may smile. Uh, you know, the, uh, I, I work for the ACLU, and several years ago, we sued the FBI uh, in connection with this whole black identity extremist thing, as well as what they call racial mapping, uh, which is their effort to get around uh, the uh, the old style COINTELPRO image that they had, where they would you know overtly spy, and they authorized their agents to engage in what was called mapping of communities, where uh, communities suspected of terrorism or violence uh, could be placed under surveillance. They, the uh, gathering places and resource people and individuals could be identified. And they said that that was okay for the agents to do. And so we sued to get more information on that through the Freedom of Information Act. And the entire federal system, the courts, uh, basically fell into line and uh, denied us many of the documents that we sought. But we did get enough to find out that this kind of thing still goes on. And they're not playing. And to the extent that we're delusional about the fact that this is, quote, unquote, our government and that this is, quote, unquote, our country, it is to our it, it puts us in peril, in real danger. Hello? 
in danger. Oh, my God. Yes. Well, you know. And that is, and, 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 uh, most, most definitely in danger. Uh, but I know for the rest of my life, and, and like, I'm talking to the point that, like, it has shifted the way I move. Like, I've always been big on my safety, right? But I don't, I don't get to share... I don't get to share my son to the world, right? I don't show his face on social media because, of, again, thinking about people like Fred Hampton, right? And uh, and 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 I I seen a lot of little Fred Hampton join, uh, just just again following the footsteps of his uh, giant of a father, right, standing on his shoulders, right? But like, uh, just understanding they would they would try to get rid of that second generation of that beast, you know, the one that's gonna continue, like push us forward, right? So, again, it has shifted the way I move more. Like, it has it almost isolated me to a bit. And, again, that's what they want. And I, I can't allow that. I won't allow that. And so, again, you know, it just, it, it's, it's different. <laughs> you know, and like I said, it's not, it's not paranoid if it happened, right? Like, I've, I, they've spent millions of dollars. But what I can say is now, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, like, the powers that be that's in office now, like, like what I can't say, like the district attorney, uh, like, like I'm actually a part of the ad hoc committee for public safety in our county, right? So now they see that oh, Kedron, Kedron wasn't there for the opportunistic thing, right? He really does love his community, right? He really do care about public safety in a way that not just saying, you know, like I, I don't like the system, I don't like cops, I don't think I think we should abolish it all, right? And I'm also with like, how do we? Well, Kedron, Kedron, hold on one moment, because I, I want to get some closing thoughts on the other side from you and everyone here. Because I've got John Nichols, who's going to talk about Ilhan Omar, talk about harassment. Uh, the Congresswoman from Minneapolis, who has been put off the Foreign Affairs Committee, they said you can serve on any committee, but this one. <laughs> Back with more of the Santita Jackson show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. One of our morning stars, two of them are having birthdays. And you know what? I could not leave without wishing Lorraine Dunkley, hey, happy birthday, because we wished you happy birthday yesterday, but today is the day. Joyce Anderson, it's her birthday. It's their birthdays, everybody. Give Joyce and Lorraine some love today. You all have been giving them some love and giving to them. I love you both. Happy birthdays. You know how I feel about these birthdays, everybody. Hallelujah. That's right. Happy birthday. Yes, yes. Uh, we've been talking with Kedron Franklin, a Black Men Build, professional organizer, part of this cadre of organizers who have helped us to see they have pushed out the, uh, the Preston Hemphills and all of these people who were involved in the killing of, of, uh, of Mr. Nichols. No one, this was not the police, the doing of the police. No, 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 no. It's the activists who've done this. And they are targets. And we've been talking about that. Uh, of course, uh, we have got... Attorney Mark Fancher, a brilliant uh, civil libertarian and lawyer, and we have got attorney uh, Daryl Jones from the Transformative Justice Coalition. Indeed, he's the chair. We've got Dwight McKee, brilliant social scientist, and Reverend Jeanette Wilson. But I'm going to start with everybody, give you about a minute apiece before we get to John Nichols and talk about Ilhan Omar, because that is of great import. We see how you get, when you, when you dare to speak out, when you stand up for the most vulnerable people, you see what happens. But, you know, she said, that's okay, I'm going to keep on talking. 
And that's what you have to do. You have to keep on talking, keep on walking right up to freedom way. You have to keep on doing it. Attorney Daryl Jones, I've got less than a minute for you. You see the kind of harassment this young man is dealing with now, but he keeps on going anyway. And this is what you and Barbara Armline have had to deal with, deal with too. I think we need to do like a, a session on that, Attorney Attorney Jones. Oh no, absolutely, Santi. That you know what uh, what Kedron Franklin uh, is dealing with is what happens when you start going up against a system that is determined to put you down and to keep things quiet. And so, you know, I certainly uh, applaud him because you know I I know that the path that he's walking and uh, and all the eyes that are on everything uh, that he does, but he continues to walk because he's walking for what is right and for what that community needs. And, you know, I, I applaud him for that. And, you know, I certainly want him to know that, you know, certainly the Transformative Justice uh, Coalition and Barbara Arnwine and I are here. Uh, if he needs us, just call us and, and we'll give him whatever counsel uh, we possibly can give him. And love to have him. we got to be certain we lift up his story. So uh, I'll, I'll, you know, talk to him later to, to invite him to come to D.C. And, and be on our radio show and, and lift up that story as well, Cynthia. But, you know, much kudos to him. And we're certainly standing and thanking for him. You know, I'm going to connect you all. Thank you for thank you for giving me permission, but you know, we're going to do that anyway. Attorney <laughs> Mark Fancher. Talk to you there on WOL every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You don't want to miss the show. I mean, because they do a lot of great work, and I, Keith, and I'm so glad that you're going to be on with Attorney Barbara Arnwine. The foremost advocates for voting rights in America are Barbara Arnwine, Attorney Barbara Arnwine, and Attorney Daryl Jones, and we're just blessed, 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 blessed to have them. Attorney Mark Fancher, your closing thoughts. Yes, I, I just want to emphasize the fact that notwithstanding uh, how frightening this sounds, uh, that we can't buy into that and internalize it and react uh, with, with fear, uh, because that's the whole idea. The, the federal government, specifically the FBI, uh, manages through intimidation and harassment and all of the other things that they've done through the decades. And we become vulnerable when we try and act individually. If we begin to see ourselves as saviors of the world or as messiahs, as individuals, the protection against federal government harassment is organization, as Dwight McKee mentioned earlier. Uh, when we as individuals become involved and connected with organized resistance, then it becomes much more difficult uh, for those who try and, and, and end the movement or to isolate individuals to do that. Uh, so organize, don't just mobilize and think of yourself as an individual messiah organize with other people and that way you're protected and we can move forward against an oppressive system without fear. Amen. I love that. Organize. Don't just mobilize. I heard that. Uh, Reverend Jeanette Wilson, that's in a minute, but please. I agree with this whole idea of learning and training real organizers and collaboration among organizations is so significant. And so uh, from the Rainbow Push side, I, I'm, I'm convinced that as we move towards our convention this summer, we're going to be uh, leading some sessions on organizing in the 21st century. Because activism is great, but it's the organizing 
long-term strategies that lead to changes. And we have to train people to organize. There's, uh, there's a connection to the faith community. There's a connection to the legal community. There's a connection to the business community because it takes money to, to make bond. It takes money to, uh, to continue to remain on the street to do certain kinds of things and to protect people. And so those are some of the, the things that we're going to talk about. And leading up to our convention in July, really want to talk to this young man. He is one of the 21st century stellar people that we want to connect to and make sure that we contact others around the country so he does not feel he's by himself. There's a whole body of young men and women that are doing the work and when we come together, we win. Amen. Dwight McKee, one minute. Well, it's always interesting to me to know that the FBI and the local police never had this kind of apparatus set up to go against the Proud Boys or against the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, at the same time Jigga Hoover was spying on Dr. King, he was gambling, going to the racetrack with the mafia. Is that this 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 fight has always been very one sided? It's been the state and the capitalists against poor people, people of color, black people, and indigenous people. And so the notion of a them us or we them is not an abstract notion. We have to understand that they we have to declare war on them because they've declared war on us, even though we have to make sure we got the moral imperative on our side of the war, that we're for justice, that we're for nonviolence, that we're for righteousness, that we uh, stay within the tenets of, of, of godliness, whereas on their side, it's you know, evil and violence and and money and power is really comes down to good against evil. Uh, uh -huh, absolutely. It's really that basic. And we have to make sure in our thoughts, brother, that we maintain our, our integrity and stay on the moral and keep our moral imperative. That's it. That's it. Keaton, I've got less I've got about a minute for you. And I cannot wait to have you back because we're gonna we're gonna have a conversation similar to this next week. We're gonna do this because I think the people need to understand the the things that you that we still go through when you when you dare to speak out. Keith and Franklin, Black Men Build. Your closing thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, just 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 piggybacking off what the brother said is 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 uh, evil, right? Uh, is is fighting hate-filled people, which, again, what I and others found out is it's controlled by the people that have the money. We have a, a, a nonprofit here by the name of Memphis Tomorrow, and there's a bunch of billionaires, right? And they control what goes on in this city. And and once we figured it out, uh, I, I almost threw up on myself once I realized, man, we're fighting the mafia. The mafia still exists, right? And here they are in front of us uh, again. So what I, I want to do is continue to highlight during this issue, uh, the Tyree Nichols situation, uh, the, the people that's on the ground uh, leading, my brother Kareem Ali, who helped converge like this group of people that's, that's leading, uh, Amber Sherman, L.J. Abraham, Barbara Burris, Cassio, uh, Frank Gotti, and Hunter Dempster. Uh, again, I just, again, it's, we, we, we're organized in the city and we move, right? And so I just want to highlight them again. Uh, you know, we have to fight together. That's how we win and keep winning 
and hold on to those milestones. And so I want to say thank you again to Chicago area, St. Paul, uh, Minneapolis. Uh, much love. Here, John Nichols from The Nation magazine, the national correspondent. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. We've been together since Reverend Jackson's first campaign in 1983. It seems like there's a connection between what we're about to go into as we look at Ilhan Omar. She said, I'm not going anywhere, Uh, even though the speaker has now served on any committee but this one. Not foreign relations. No, 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 no. You can't do this. Unbelievable. John Nichols. Yes, it is. Uh, that is the case. And uh, we've been following this for quite a while. Uh, during the campaign last year, uh, Kevin McCarthy, who was then the Republican minority leader, said that if he came to the speakership and if Republicans came to a majority, they would exact revenge for uh efforts by the House to take Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar, two very extreme Republicans, off their committees. Mm -hmm. And they have done that now, Uh, removing uh, Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell from uh, the Intelligence Committee, and then yesterday formally removing uh, Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Now, it's important to start with that, uh, Santita, because we need to understand this isn't being done because of anything that Ilhan Omar said or did. This is being done for purposes of vengeance, right? This is a payback for something that the Republicans were upset about, um, not seeming to recognize the reality that the removal of Green and Gosar from their committees came after they threatened, after they were charged with threatening fellow members of the House of Representatives. Um, So when we put it in context, what we really have to understand here is that this effort to go after Ilhan Omar has been framed as, you know, some sort of objection to her stances on Israel, to her statements about uh, Israel-Palestine policy. And clearly there are, are many folks. Uh, oh, no, no, wait, that, that's Democrats part of it, too. Yeah, I think we have to be upfront about that. Her Middle East policy has rankled many Democrats, and they have wanted her out, but there was a party line vote. And I'm glad well, that me, Democrats are together for her. So let's put this in context, then. Um, that they, the framing was that this was being done because of things she had said about Israel-Palestine. And because Uh of her stance is there, that is clearly an underpinning of all this, because back four years ago when she got to Congress, um, she was very much under attack uh, by Republicans and Democrats. But the important thing to understand is that, uh, well, she herself said she she made mistakes and she said some things in ways that she shouldn't have. Very apologetic, but also very clear in her stances. She went on over four years to become an incredibly respected member of the Foreign Affairs Committee. Even Republicans said she did a great job. And yet yesterday, she was removed from that committee on a party line vote. Uh, all the Republicans who voted uh, voted to remove her, Democrats voted to keep her. And the, the tragedy of this, is, and the thing that needs to be understood is that removing Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee does not in any way change the debates, the great issues of the day. Um, All it does is take away someone 
who opened up the debate, who put more issues on the table, and who worked very hard uh, to promote a moral foreign policy agenda that emphasized diplomacy, cooperation, human rights, uh, addressing poverty around the world. Now, Ilhan Omar is not going to stop doing this. She's not going to stop advocating. In fact, as she said brilliantly yesterday, she plans to continue to be as outspoken, even louder. But the committee has been dramatically diminished. It has lost uh, one of its strongest members. And this is bad for America. This is bad for the world. Because wanting to understand Ilhan Omar... Well, yes, and I, I want you to explain the. I want you to explain the repercussions internationally, which is something that she spoke to briefly yesterday. Yeah, I don't think that that um, I, I've written a lot about Ilhan Omar over the years and interviewed her many times about her service on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Um, I don't think people understand uh, how much she is recognized around the world as an advocate for human rights. And as someone who has been willing to call out countries all over the world when they have treated their people poorly, when they have uh, been violent toward minorities, when they have uh, uh, literally not fed people, not cared for people, she has spoken up. She has criticized um, regimes and governments in Africa, in the Middle East, in Asia, all over the world. And she has brought light to those struggles. But she is a very internationally recognized figure as someone who stands for human rights. And yes, she has stood for human rights in Palestine. And uh, that gets a lot of attention in the U.S. because there's an immense amount of coverage of the Israel-Palestine struggle. But she stood for human rights in Yemen. She stood for human rights in Saudi Arabia. She stood for human rights in Sudan and other countries around the world. She has been absolutely outspoken and absolutely clear in, in framing out a global vision. And that's gotten attention around the world. And one of the things she talked about yesterday in, in a really remarkable speech, which I, which I recommend people should listen to. It, it was a, a stunning uh, speech because of its clarity and because of its, uh, its firmness in this you know, very volatile moment. You know, she was sort of a North Star uh, in the midst of all this ferment. Um, one of the things she said as a person who came to America as a child refugee, right? She was someone who had been forced to flee her own country, who had lived in refugee camps. She came to the United States and proudly became a U.S. citizen, bringing her experience as a refugee to this country, as so many have before. And one of the things she said in Congress yesterday was, She's not going to stop speaking out because there are other little girls in refugee camps. There are other little girls experiencing the horrors of political violence in countries around the world. And she is not going to go silent just because Republicans kick her off a committee. But that committee will be less well-focused, less brained, less engaged with human rights because Ilhan Omar isn't there. So the end result here is that Congress did damage to itself yesterday. Congress harmed itself. Um, and in many senses, I think it's lifted up Ilhan Omar. Uh, she will come out of this as what she has always been, a widely respected international voice for human rights. Um, and Congress will look petty 
partisan, uh, dysfunctional. In fact, yesterday was just a sadly dysfunctional day for Congress. Well, you know, I think they look dysfunctional and they also look owned (laughs) by various interests. And that is a very dangerous thing for America as we are touting the virtues of freedom and liberty and da 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 it does, it's a bad look. I mean, I saw a reverend take these hits when he ran for president and before he ran for president. Mm-hmm. And when you take these, I mean, and when, when you stand up for the most vulnerable people in the world, I mean, when you, and when you're looking for balance, wait a minute, nobody's looking for anybody to be eliminated. We're trying to figure out a way for the lines and lamps to lie down together. And, um, it's all, and it really has enlarged her. And I thank heavens for that. But, I mean, but where do we go from here? Because, I mean, I was struck by the speaker saying she can serve on any committee but this one. I mean, right. isn't it? It's, it's the, yeah. well, this important thing to understand. This is an important thing to understand. When Ilhan Omar came to Congress, she requested to be on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Elliot Engel, the longtime chairman of that committee, who disagreed with her on many issues, met with her and recognized that she would be an outstanding member and welcomed her onto that committee. When people attacked her and criticized her and condemned her and said she should be removed from the committee, Elliot Engel said, no, she should remain. Uh, and, uh, and it's very striking that, that obviously, you know, many people kind of made this just about Israel-Palestine, right? And uh, what was so important was the, uh, so many members of Congress stood up yesterday, so many Democratic members of Congress uh, including Jewish members, who said, look, this is absurd. You know, people can disagree about Israel-Palestine. They can have different positions. They can debate. That is, that is the American way. But when you punish someone for expressing uh, a point of view uh, in this regard, you, you effectively shut down that debate. You diminish the discourse in a way that it certainly harmful to efforts to achieve peace in the Middle East, but it's also harmful to the American, to the American, you know, political body politics who are functioning as a a country because we don't have the debates we can and should have. And it was really quite striking. uh, The people who stood up and, and defended Ilhan Omar yesterday and and a a broad cross-section folks from, you know, the democratic party, but the Republicans, many of whom know that she is a very capable member a number of whom have actually worked with her on key issues. Um, they voted in lockstep against her. And so this is just a, this is an act of pure partisanship that to my mind shows Congress at its very, very worst. This is, this is a Congress that refuses to accept debate, that refuses to accept honest discourse. And uh, as you say, it's, it's a lesson it is a lesson uh, that will be noted by the world. Um, and again, people will see this in a much broader context, because I can tell you there are people in, in countries in Africa who uh, see Ilhan Omar as one of their great champions as regards religious freedom, as regards civil rights, as regards human rights, as regards fighting poverty. And women's rights, child poverty, what? <laughs> women's rights. Oh, women's that. Rights, of course, yes, yeah. And so, um, you know, I I watched this yesterday with with a certain sense of um, sorrow and frustration because 
Um, Congress has never been perfect. You know, it's always it's always been a flawed institution. We can point to history of it, of, you know, so many things that were so disappointing and so you know horrific over the years. But yesterday, yesterday we saw partisanship overcome common sense, humanity, and frankly, what's good for the United States. And I just want to emphasize for people who are you know paying attention to this issue, uh, I really do recommend watching Ilhan Omar's speech. Um, yeah, it was, I tweeted it out. And I put it on my Facebook page. It's there. It was, and you know, it was just an exemplary address that was rooted oh. in her own history, her own experience. Um, that was that was a reconciling and uniting speech as opposed to mm-hmm. a divisive speech. And I would also recommend watching the speeches by Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, Mark Pocan uh, from Wisconsin, Dean Phillips from Minnesota, who defended her. Um, very powerfully, Jan Schakowsky from Illinois. Um, it's interesting that quite a few of, of uh, Representative Omar's uh, Midwestern colleagues uh, stood up in her defense because they worked with, so closely with her over the years. And again, this is the point to understand. We would hope that in Congress, because people work in close quarters, they get to know one another, that they could move beyond petty partisanship and divisive ideological game playing. Um, but yesterday, unfortunately, we saw that's not the case. Instead of moving beyond that and actually recognizing what Ilhan Omar has to contribute, um, the Congress, the majority in the Congress, uh, chose to remove her from the position that she, where she sought to serve. And I must note, Santita, one other thing that's important here. People, most members of Congress don't line up to be on the Foreign Affairs Committee. It's hard work. Mm-hmm. It, it involves researching countries around the world. It involves meeting with and engaging with people from all sides. It's, it's, it's a demanding position if you take it seriously. Most members want to do something else where they're dealing in money or, you know what I mean, they're, they're engaged mm-hmm. with uh, appropriations or budgets and things like that, things that might give them power. Um, serving on Foreign Affairs, uh, you serve there at your best because you want to you want to make a more peaceful world, a more functional world, because you believe that is good for the United States. That's what Ilhan sure. Omar did. And she was punished for that. Well, you know what? I mean, and the thing is, you do it there because there is so much power there. I mean, 95 percent of the world lives beyond our borders. So let's be clear. Right. As hard as the work is, certain people want to be on that committee because it has such tremendous resonance all over the world. But you know what? Uh, Dr. King is bigger than he ever was. Medgar Evers is bigger than he ever was. Gandhi's bigger than he ever was. Malcolm X is bigger than he ever was. You can kill a person, but you can't kill an idea and you can't kill a spirit. And that is the good news, everybody. John Nichols, The Nation Magazine, everybody, please check him out. Follow him. Nichols Uprising. Get it? Yo, I'm very serious. That is his handle. <laughs> that is what he does. He's always wreaking havoc but in a godly way. I love everybody. I'm so glad you've been with us today. Happy birthday, Joyce. Happy birthday, Lorraine. Make it a great day, everybody. I'll see you on Keep Up Alive with Reverend Jesse Jackson on Sunday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. Until Sunday, God bless you and make it a great day. Thank you, Paul, for a great show.